Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Hera on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Living Force Podcast. Know the code. You're listening to The Living Force. That's not how the Force works. A Utini podcast. This is a ship that made the castle run in 14 parsecs. 12. Episode 7. Dooku, Jedi Lost Part 2. Tell that to Kanja Club. On this episode, email shoutouts. Prepare to fire. Galaxy's Edge opens. These five pieces are worth one half portion. And final thoughts on Dooku, Jedi Lost. I'll show you the dark side. With your hosts. Look who it is. Corey Hilton. Good to see you. Eric Eilerson. You got a name? And Charles Hankel. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay. All right, so so moving's the worst. It makes you want to die. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure I already am dead. But <laughs> ooh, I, oh yeah. Okay, I can record in this software too. Okay, I I noticed that by like this sexy voice. Mm, yeah. Okay, so that was uh, the worst experience of my life dealing with that. What? It made no sense. Like, what no. do you mean? And you, the Google account is the thing it's the correct it didn't even say wrong password it's just like i don't know uh can't find it google is broken that's what it basically said dude that happens we're We're strangers to we're not strangers to technical difficulties no i think we have more technical difficulties than we do good experiences i think maybe you, you know how there's like a will of the force maybe there's like a will of technology and that will is eternally against mutiny Apparently, I think it is. I think we're trying to be uh, cocky and control all of technology for all of history. Like, we're trying to make this giant database. We're trying to make this podcast. And it says, who the hell do you think you are (laughs) trying to do all this stuff? Some moof milker put a compressor on the ignition line. But you guys, you know who the hell we think we are? We think we are the Living Force Podcast. And we are in Episode 7, The Force Awakens. There's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Of the living force. My name still is Eric Eilerson. So we're still doing that, huh? Dude, we're still doing that. We got at least this week and next week, the week after that, and then we go to anthology. Who knows? <laughs> I might just be pulling random titles of Rebels episodes at that point. Yeah, I was really hoping I would leave and then come back and that would just not exist anymore, but apparently it's still here. Oh, Corey, you came back to the dumpster fire you left, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, wait until like we I... get to the team member. Oh, it's going to be uh, great, man. Uh, but on that, I am Eric Eilerson, one of your hosts, editor-in-chief at Utini, and with me, again, reunited, is the dream team of Dr. Corey Helton. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Uh, you're here. You're, uh, you're happy. You're, nothing bad has happened in the last hour that has made you frustrated with technology. It's That's gonna be great. Not, everything that you just said is wrong. Oh, thanks, buddy. And also, that glorious uh, uh, warm laughter is coming from Dr. Charles Hankel. What's up, my friend? Hey, not too much. Just hanging out in a uh, walk-in closet. What are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're moving your entire life this week, aren't you? I am, and so is Corey, so he knows my pain. But yeah, I'm literally in a walk-in closet, um, surrounded by my girlfriend's clothes, and talking into my cell phone. And I can't see you guys, so this is a first. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is the worst experience I think we've ever had. I don't know if I even do. I even sound okay? I'm in a giant empty room. I didn't even sound ask you me. that. I'm in. I'm okay. in my. Uh, I'm visiting my folks for the week, so I'm in my dad's office. It's a crazy week, y'all. This is terrible. So we just spent like the last hour trying to make <laughs> our our Zoom conference calling software work. So I don't know if we've ever even addressed this on this on the show, but we're all like very far away from each other. I mean, I'm in uh, Georgia right now, about to move to Tennessee. Um, Charles, you're in Charlotte, North Carolina now. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie. So you just moved to, and uh, where are you at Eric? Yeah. I'm in Michigan right now and I was in Chicago last week and I'll be in a different place in Michigan tomorrow. Yeah. So we're like all over the place. We're very far away from each other. So we have to do this remotely, which, you know, I think we have a pretty decent product, all things considered. The sound quality is okay. So, I mean, I I can't wait until we actually all meet each other in person and all the great things we thought about each other just come crashing down. Yes. (laughs) You know, I think this works better as long as we're this far apart. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's true. But yeah, so we just spent like the last hour trying to make this conference calling software that we pay for work and it didn't. So now we're all using something else and it's not as good. We can't see each other. Charles is calling in from a cell phone. Man, this is like the most ghetto rigged thing we've ever done. But that's okay. I feel like the Rebel Alliance must have felt all the time. Exactly. They're ba- they were like on the dial-up connection of the galaxy, I feel. That's what it felt like to be a Rebel <laughs> Yeah, but luckily we're here because we care about you guys, our listeners, and we care about the Living Force, and we care about Dooku Jedi Lost. And if we didn't have this, uh, Corey and Charles would just be moving for a whole week, and we can't have that because I think uh, we may not hear you from you guys again. Nope, I'm probably gonna die. I hope that's not true. I should not <laughs> even say that. I'm driving a 26 foot truck and pulling a car behind it tomorrow, so I probably, <laughs> probably shouldn't joke about that. Well, on the bright side, listeners, if Corey does die, you'll know by the time this goes up. So we'll put in a little edit here. Matt, Ooh. if Corey dies, add that here. <laughs> oh my god. This episode was dedicated to Dr. Corey Helton. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so morbid. <laughs> but hey, guys, on a slightly less morbid uh, topic, uh, also literally anything is less morbid than that. We got an awesome review this week, and we got an awesome email shout-out. And I want to talk about those real quick before we dive into part two of Dooku, which I know is going to take most of this episode. Uh, but I wanted to take uh, a second to thank – is it Jammin' Jedi? Do we think that think was the email? Was. I read well, Jamie the first time, but now that I'm seeing it, I definitely Jeff definitely is Jammin' Jedi. or Jamie Jedi. Whatever Jedi you are, we got your email, and it was all about kyber crystals because a few weeks back we were talking about – crystal color and how we all like crystal lore but we aren't kind of sure how that applies in canon now and this awesome person jammin or jamie emailed us back and said uh kyber crystals are first activated essentially when bonded with a jedi so they get their color at that point that's been canon for a while we said we weren't sure if that was new in master and apprentice and things but it was first confirmed in a reference book it was rumored in a clone wars book and as of now, there's no difference between blue, purple, and green. And the difference between red and white crystals were addressed in the Ahsoka novel, which I do remember. So we want to say a quick thank you for that email, uh, setting us straight. As always, if any of you have corrections on anything we say, because we are always shooting from the hip on this podcast, make sure to yell at us at livingforcepod at utini.com, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Yeah, so, absolutely. That was kind of a cool thing to get to because like I had just listened to that part of Master and Apprentice. I've been listening to it with, again with my wife. I read the book and 
Um, now we're listening to the audiobook, and I literally just covered that scene in Master and Apprentice where like Obi Wan disassembles the lightsabers, and he talks about all that crystal lore stuff, and it was pretty cool to kind of hear that again. And I'm still a little iffy on a lot of the crystal lore stuff. It looks like this Jam and Jedi was pretty cohesive in what they said, so I think I I think I buy all that. Um, I know the red and white stuff were definitely in Ahsoka. Um, it's just man, I have so much trouble sort of accepting accepting that answer, I guess, because. This just been done so many times, both in canon and not in canon, and that difference is important, and it's so hard to to figure out. Because I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. We we kind of take a lot of our crystal lore from things like Kotor, which was like oh, blue. Yeah. Blue was the yeah. guardian, yellow's mm-hmm. the sentinel, yeah. and and green was the uh, consular. Sure. So it's like combat, wisdom, and the other one. Right, uh, right, which is kind of interesting, and I thought I had been referencing in Legends a little bit here and there. I need yeah. to find I – I did a little bit of digging and couldn't find a really great write-up on any of that uh, anywhere. I was hoping Wikipedia might have something good, but I didn't find a, a great article. Um, yeah, because I feel like a lot of it's been hearsay. Like I heard that the purple crystal is like the the Jedi that were on the dark side but then came to the light or something like that because it mixes red and blue, and that's why Mace had one, but – there's no thing really like that in canon, and I don't know where I heard that. You know, like, was it just my own mind and things like that? So I don't know. I have no idea. That's interesting. Yeah, so very interested to get more crystal lore in canon. Um, if you haven't read the the Darth Vader comic by Charles Soule, that goes into the bleeding of crystals with the red. That's the new canon thing. Super awesome. Definitely recommend that. And thank you again, Jam uh, and Jedi, for that email. You will remove these restraints and leave this cell with the door open. I will remove these restraints and leave the cell with the door open. And you'll drop your weapon? And I'll drop my weapon. There's like one more main thing about Star Wars this week that I want to cover with you guys before we jump back into Dooku. And that was Galaxy's Edge is open, y'all, in California. Yeah, man, it's the real. Footage, the footage is unbelievable, too. Like, I haven't really dug in too much, but like I have seen a little bit. Like I saw a video, I don't remember, like LA Times or somebody posted it this morning of mm-hmm. like in the shop where they're building the lightsabers. Have you seen that? Yeah. No. Oh, but yeah. It's it blew really, me away. really flipping cool, man. Like all these people are like literally building lightsabers, and then I like, hold them up and all the different colors. And it was, oh. it was sick. It was sick. I mean, it looked yeah, like I haven't real... seen, I haven't seen any of this because I'm, I'm without internet, which is why I'm even calling in on my cell phone to begin with. But I mm-hmm. haven't watched the dedication ceremony or any, anything at all. Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't really watched much of it either. I just, I saw it on Reddit or a Facebook feed mm-hmm. or something like that. Like it was really, but I've been meaning to dive into. I've been so busy, same as you, Charles. Um, Eric, what can you tell us? Do you know anything else new besides that? Um, those are the main points. I mean, the dedication ceremony. The main thing was when Han. Uh, or Harrison rather dedicated the the Falcon to Peter Mayhew as he kind of mm. helped start it up. His reveal mm. was uh you know Bob Iger and Mark Hamill and George Lucas and Billy D were out there and they like all right start out the Falcon and then they did the sound effect didn't work and then Harrison was like did this voiceover and then Harrison Ford shows up which no one expected right because it's Harrison why and then they said can you like start this up and he said Peter this one's for you and gave it a little double tap and started mm. up. And everyone cried because that's beautiful. Yeah, um, that's I, did, awesome. I did see that. Yeah. And then as far as the shops go, lightsaber stuff is basically what you guys have been saying. I have purposefully not watched a full video of it because I kind of still want some surprises when I go uh, next April or May whenever celebration is. Because I already know I'm going to get the Rancor tooth hilt. Um, I, but I want like still some surprises in the experience because I've heard people are like crying. It's so intense. So um, there's that. I, I've seen pictures of like a lot of the merchandise. The way everything's set up, guys, is just in 
incredible. It's all so immersive. It all seems very natural. And what I didn't realize was that their characters, because you know there's characters in every Disney park. You know, you can meet the princesses and stuff in Magic Kingdom right. and stuff like that. The characters in Galaxy's Edge are like actual Star Wars characters giving you missions and stuff. Like Vi Marathi from Phasma and the upcoming Black Spire book is in the park and will just like show up at different places apparently and will like talk to people and give them missions and then disappear. Like the actor is active as the day Jeez, goes on. That's, that's incredible. I don't. I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that. Like I, I went to. I went to celebration and literally started crying when I walked in the the giant room of all the Star Wars. I don't. I mean, they might have to like take me out of there on a stretcher if I go to Galaxy. We're, we're doomed, man. I mean, and there's also there's the app you can carry around on your phone and get missions and stuff. And I saw that uh, Peekba from Last Shot like showed wow. up in the app and gave someone a mission. And I'm like, they're wow. going EU hard, man. Like book fans That's are amazing. getting a lot. I am doing the combined vacation with Galaxy's Edge and oh. Celebration next year. You said you said something Ugh. else cool, didn't you? Was that you that told me that the the guest bags at the ceremony had the books in them? Yep, they got Crash of Fate, and I think it might have only been the media preview people. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they got Crash of Fate and Black Spire, so those ARCs exist. Wow, that's wow. Um, I hope we get those soon. Yeah, um, yeah. For your listeners, uh, Corey and I get um, ARCs of and early copies of some of the books. Like we're both been reading a little bit of Alphabet Squadron. Um, so we're hoping to, uh, yeah, get some of get, those. We got to get Charles <laughs> in that list pretty soon. Yeah. We, we need to get Charles. We need to get you to come in from the angle of the podcast. Like I went in as the company owner, Eric, you were sort of the writer, like yep. content editor angle. You need to come in as like the podcast. So like, I'll give I, it a I whirl. Think- Cause I'm sick of hearing you guys talk back and forth about <laughs> books that I won't get for a month. Yeah, I I think that needs to happen. I mean, Charles, I'd say it's not that cool, but I'd be lying to you because it's really great. (laughs) Yeah, you say it's not that cool, but then you tweet about it three times yesterday. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I got to let them know I appreciate it. But yeah, so we're so stoked for those books. I'm sure that we're going to start getting like little tweets about those books as the the weeks go on. How is it possible to power a weapon of that size? Guys, we have so much more to dive into with this episode. Corey, we missed you last week. We did. We missed you on I our first you guys. episode, man. I miss you guys too. I listened to the whole episode day before yesterday. I was packing up my kitchen and carefully taking plates and placing them in foam paper, and I laughed my tail off the whole time <laughs> listening to you guys. It was a great episode. That was one of the best ones we had, I think, and I wasn't on it. I wonder if that's why it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see outside your own voice. I think that's what it is. But um, That must be it. <laughs> uh, but before we dive back in, um, so we went through basically – the plot and the overall feel of the book as far as it being an audio drama and stuff. Uh, give us a couple of your just initial thoughts before we throw it back to Charles to get us in sure. on character. Well, I'll definitely echo everything that you guys said about the format. The audio book or the audio drama format was awesome. The way that they filmed or they recorded it with them all in the same room was great. I love all the different voices. I will agree with a couple of criticism that you guys had that like some of the voices were hard to differentiate. My only minor complaint about the entire book is the time frame from when when Dooku goes from being like I think I can't remember if it's like from kid to being a teenager or from being a teenager to being adult. It, I guess it was teenager to being adult because it's right around the time that Qui Gon showed up. Mm-hmm. Like I I did not get that that were, there was a transition there at all. Like I had I listened for like thirty minutes. Like what the heck is happening and who is this? <laughs> like and then I finally figured out it's Qui Gon talking and then it's like okay so you must be an adult now and that was a really hard transition for me and I think that had something to do with the the format like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you miss things like that uh, in, in audio dramas. 
um, or audiobooks too in general, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, that the scene that you guys talked a great deal about the whole force vision scene, I absolutely love force visions in star Wars. Like that was my favorite scene of the, of the force awakens was when Ray had that huge flashback, like a, or a sort of force vision. I love like picking them apart and figuring out the different stuff and man, the audio, drama format like completely made that scene awesome because we had like the emperor's cackle in there or sort of emperor's voice saying something about like him being an apprentice and it really it really was awesome the way that they uh they did all the different sound effects and stuff in that vision so that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole book yeah because you you've talked about i don't know if it's been on the podcast but we've talked about how much you love that scene in empire the the cave and everything before, haven't we? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We have had that conversation. I don't, I don't know where that was, but yeah, I love that scene. That's the cave scene is is so good and so powerful. The music is sweet. The way that Yoda talks to Luke is awesome. I love the I love the vision stuff um, because that's such a recurring theme in Star Wars. We see like people see the future and they dramatically want to act on it because it feels so real and. That's just that's a recurring theme. I'm rewatching Rebels right now with my wife, and it it shows up there. Like Ezra has some visions and acts too hastily because of it. I mean, that showed up in Master and Apprentice with Qui Gon. Even a Jedi Master is not even uh, invincible to seeing the future and then mm-hmm. wanting to make decisions based on it. And um, Ahsoka in Clone Wars, there was an episode yeah. based around that. Yep. yep, yep, yep. It's a big recurring theme in in Star Wars, and you know that just kind of goes to show you that the Jedi. You know, they're right in talking about like when you see the future, it's always in motion and you can't you can't act on it. And you have to learn to let go of things and try not to change things because, you know, everything's going to be as the force wills it. So I love that. That was my favorite scene in the whole book. Sweet. And uh, last thing before we're going to throw it over to our man, uh, Dooku. Did it change your thought about him as a character? Did you like some of the differences we had uh, versus how he portrayed in the past? Yeah, definitely. So um, I will start this answer with saying that re-listening to remember I said when we did the Master and Apprentice breakdown, I said that like it sort of changed my view of Qui Gon. I liked him better after reading reading Master and Apprentice. After mm-hmm. listening to Master and Apprentice, I again dislike Qui Gon. No! <laughs> yes, oh. I do. Like his his decision making, reading it a second time, just absolutely drives me insane. And I just cannot stand the decisions that he makes and the way that he talks to Obi Wan. It drives me nuts. I just I dislike him a lot. And it's like I no longer think he's a useless character. Like I did <laughs> before, well, but <laughs> I, I don't like him as a Jedi. I think he makes a lot of mistakes and he gets on my nerves. Um, Dooku is amazing uh, in in Dooku Jedi Lost. I loved him as a character. I loved him as a kid. Like that was some of my favorite scenes in the book, where all the uh, Jedi Temple stuff and mm-hmm. and getting to see the behind the scenes of what it's like to be trained as a youngling and stuff like that. I, I definitely think it changed my perception of him a little bit. I, I don't feel like the book did a great job of answering the question why did he leave the jedi order though i will bring that up like yeah so that i mean it, it does talk all that about that a great deal and and mm-hmm. that he sort of felt called to lead his people and stuff but I, don't, I don't really think that that story was really fleshed out super well it felt sort of sudden to me that he just suddenly left like i don't do you guys have any thoughts on that like why do you think that he just left so so suddenly well, I mean, that- did, did you did you feel like that at all at the end that's one of my big questions, and I think it's great that you brought that up. I think there are a few different options as to why he left. I think one of them is his commitment to Sereno. One of mm-hmm. them is the vision of the future, specifically, that he had, and then his subsequent disillusionment with the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the answer is somewhere in between, but I think those are the most likely things. And then I think one 
less likely option is just that he, I, I mean, he fell to the dark side ultimately, right? So it could just be that he was already starting to be corrupted before he left the order. I don't know mm-hmm. what you guys think about that. I, I, I think I, on that particular note, I'm not sure if he was going to the dark yet. I think that the seat of power is definitely there, right? Like him seeing that he can rule all of Sereno is definitely a, yeah. a, a turning point. But I think ultimately, like not not to make this a divisive issue, but the Jedi in Star Wars are literally a religion, right? So I think it's kind of like right. when someone leaves a church. I think that he was kind of in his mind like these people that followed this 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 certain way of believing. He f- kind of became disillusioned. I think he was realizing that you say that you're helping, but you're actually not. Or you know, right. if I'm going to go further with this, I'm going to have to kind of go along with something I don't believe in. So I think that's why it was very peaceful at the end there. But I think it was more so just the, the culmination of, as a kid, the little things that he didn't agree with. And then as a teenager, the little things he didn't agree with. And the final straw was, we're not going to go help my people when we say we need to help them. All right, I'm going to do it myself. And yeah. I think that's ultimately think good, it was that they, they weren't good enough, which is ironic because then he became, in our minds, super evil. Right. You know? I mean, I feel like the question is sort of answered for myself a little bit. Like in Master and Apprentice, you get – you get the opposite, like the way that Qui-Gon and, and Rail Everos talk about Dooku. I mean, they talk about like, like they have no idea why he left the order. Like, yeah. have you, yeah. like Rail, Rail is like, have you contacted him? Have you asked him why he left yet? And Qui-Gon's like, I have no idea. Um, uh, sorry, so Corey, like, not, not to cut you off, but Rail says, hey, have you asked Dooku why he left the order? That's actually <laughs> funny, so. just to be, just to be clear. <laughs> Yes, I'm just. I'll <laughs> pretend that country accent was something to you know even acknowledge. Um, but yes, that's so. He asked like he, they didn't know why he left at all, and I feel like I have some type of knowledge about why Dooku left. Now he's no longer such a huge mystery to me, and I really enjoyed that. I really like to see now that like like Dooku did to some degree believe in the separatist movement probably before Sidious yeah. came out and, and said. Um, He's behind everything. I really wish you would have got that scene, though. <laughs> yeah. Did you I mean, guys and, feel? Did you guys feel like it was a bit of like a text message breakup though between Dooku and the Jedi Order? Because like, yes, he, he more yes. or less yeah. called Yoda and was like, "Sorry, man, it's over." Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel like that. Like I was really hoping for something a little more dramatic, like the way that Ahsoka left the Jedi Order. Yes, was, yes, was much more impactful, and you know, she was before the Jedi Council and. Man, Dooku called him. Like, what the heck? Like, you yeah, know, I feel like he was definitely like, you know, he's on Sereno and he goes, "Hey, Yoda, you up?" And then Yoda's yeah. like, "Yeah, what you want?" <laughs> and he's like, "Listen, Bay, uh, I'm just gonna be chilling at my place from now on. Um, do you want to come get your stuff? No, no, no. You can keep it. Um, do you want your lightsaber back? No, no, that's okay. It's yours. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. No, you, no, that's cool. Okay, that's really nice of you. Um, then uh, just like look me up on Instagram and I'll be a uh, Posting kind of what's up. And that was it. I think that's yes, how Dooku left. That was literally it. Like, it was so strange to me a little bit. Uh, well, cool. Maybe, maybe yeah. it was added, added later. I, I, maybe we'll ask Kevin about that if we can ever get him on the show. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, or if not, or if nothing else, I mean, we got to be getting a Palpatine book at some point, and maybe we'll, that scene will be in there more. Yeah, you know? that's that, that would be great. I hope so. So now I wanted to actually jump back into – now we're all cut up. Uh, members of our illustrious listening audience. We're going to jump back into character descriptions from this story. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get another Utini member break. And guys, 
this might be our best one ever. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Hello, everyone. I'm Kendall Hallman, uh, content creator for Utini.com. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Star Wars A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller. It's no secret that a lot of Star Wars fans, myself included, were a little bit upset uh, with the decision to create a new canon rather than continuing the uh, the old the old canon, the expanding universe, legends, whatever you want to call it, continuity in the run up to the uh, Force Awakens. So I went into this with uh, some hesitation. I wasn't sure if it was going to be worth it. Frankly, it was. It's a great book. Kind of reminds me of what a terrific Star Wars novel can be and sets the stage for everything to come after it in in the new canon. This, along with the Jason Aaron Star Wars comic that came out around the same time, just really reinvigorated my excitement for Star Wars. You can learn more about this book and other uh, books in the new canon and the old canon uh, Legends continuity uh, on utini.com. And uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at K Hallman. That's K-H-A-L-M-A-N. May the force be with you. All right. And we are back. I mean, tear to my eye, everyone. That that clip was just I'm I'm a different man than I was before that. What if it's garbage? What if it was the worst one you've ever had? Then we go down <laughs> in flames, don't we? Have have you seen have you guys seen Fanboys? Oh god a while oh, back, but yes. Yeah, so at the very remember the very end of yeah. Fanboys, like they all look at each other at the sitting in the Phantom Menace, they're they're yeah. all sitting there about to watch, they look at each other and they're like, What if it's what if awful? It what if it, <laughs> it sucks? sucks. Then, the, then the movie ends. It's so funny. It's a brilliant ending. Oh, uh, yeah. That's our our uh, our pitch for fanboys recommendation. Yes. Go check that out. Not now. Are you kidding? Don't pause this podcast right now. We're getting back into Dooku. So, Charles, when we last left our heroes, we had gotten done talking about Count Dooku. Uh, where are we going next, man? Uh, yeah, so we stopped talking about Count Dooku, but there are some other major players in this novel and I would argue that maybe the second biggest player in this book was none other than Asajj Ventress, who was the assassin slash apprentice to Count Dooku after he's already left the Order. And we really get to see a good bit about her character in this novel. It's not quite as much as we got in Dark Disciple, which I believe you, you both have read, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, good okay, plug for Dark Disciple. Yeah, and Charles, yeah, so Charles I went in, wrote a review of it. That's on our site right now. Yeah, I did. I put a review up on the site, and that's because after finishing Dooku Jedi Lost, like I was compelled to go read that book, and it was actually a great follow-up. So if you're looking for something to read and you've just finished Jedi Lost, I would definitely recommend that. Yeah. Um, but that was not meant to be a plug for the thing that I wrote. <laughs> it was meant to be a question uh, about what did you guys learn or what new insight did you get into Asajj's character from this story that maybe you didn't necessarily get from Dark Disciple or any of the other material. For this, I think that it didn't do a whole bunch of new stuff for Asajj for me. I think that she very much played in character and type, in, in like a good way. And like it didn't the, feel it was off, right? The the master stuff was all pretty new. Oh yeah, with with uh, uh, with um, the Kai. voice in her head or whoever. Yeah, it was that's like true. Actually, that's a good question. Was she actually was he actually there? What do you guys think? I think he had to have been the. Having her no, hallucinate no. to that level, you don't think? No, I don't think I don't think he could be because I think that undoes the specialness of Qui Gon coming back as a voice. Like he's the one who figured out how to keep his identity in the Force through 
being part uh, or being so, in tune with the living force, so maybe which is why it really bothers me that Dooku seemed to know he was there. D- did he know he was there? Yeah, he yeah, called. He yeah, says, so in the last at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, at the very end when she has that weird vision, like Dooku, like totally reacts to Kai being there. Oh yeah, that's right. Unless, Which I guess, unless, unless she saw that, like, and she just saw it, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that. I don't remember the details of the scene. Is it certain the, that Dooku like actually was there? Does he? Did he talk about it out? Or of the was vision? it? Or was it his vision for his vision form talking to Kai's vision form? Right. So it was that. It was that. But before that, there was one little weird thing where Dooku supposedly, like, I don't remember exactly, but he almost like looked over her shoulder or something. And it says like, it, it seemed like he was looking at where Kai was, but he didn't say anything. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't a little clear though. It's a little fuzzy in, in a good way. Yeah. yeah. I, so yeah. I think that, so I think that's a little murky for, for Asajj herself to go back to your original question. While it didn't necessarily add a ton of new stuff for me, what I liked that it did add was the, the younger, a little more scared Asajj, because I think we always see her very competent um in dark disciple we see her very emotionally vulnerable at a certain point mm-hmm. but this is kind of her really a little scared and really a little unsure of herself and that was very new and i and i did like that a lot so i felt that it i, I didn't know that i needed that extra like 20 percent of her story but i think this fit in very nicely yeah i will, I will echo that as well i asaj is a complicated character she really yeah. is and and the more we oh, get yeah. about her the more i i like her i don't i don't really love her in the clone wars funny enough I, not to, at least not until the very end like yeah. when she's she, just dooku's apprentice she's very robotic in that she's just an apprentice like she's like like maul was a little bit i guess to yeah. some degree earlier i have shown up because you need someone to hold a lightsaber and i'm going to be angry and somehow get away <laughs> yes. Exactly, and she's so cliche, and it bothers me. <laughs> like, it, but you know, towards the end when she's betrayed, and then the whole Night Sister subplot. I mean, she's a great character. And yeah. reading, I didn't, I didn't read Dark Disciple until like uh, two months ago, I think, very recently, also. And um, that book is good. It's, it's really Picasage, yeah, yeah, it really is. And seeing her, I mean, talk about how troubled her past was. Once she figures out who she is, and she's not just an apprentice, she's a really great character. And she was like. I thought she was great in this book too. Um, I really liked hearing about her time with the Jedi. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. Like yeah. seeing that, you know, how much that uh, like Kai intentionally didn't bring her to the temple was interesting because then I thought, oh yeah. man, how different would her life have been had she gone no. to the temple? More, more talking about the flaws of the Jedi, man, because that's what this entire era of books is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> yeah, apparently. We Charles, love- what did you think about Asajj? So I thought it was really interesting to explore the first moments of her relationship with Dooku. I thought that's kind of where this gave me the most insight. Um, just because this was like the very first mission, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that she went yeah. on for Dooku. And, you know, one question that I can kind of segue this into that I had was how the beginning of the story and the end for her were sort of bookends. They're exactly the same, kind of like what we saw in Queen's Shadow, where she was kind of given a monologue about all the things that she hates, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, I hate this place. I hate my master, you know, whatever it was. And at the very end of the story, she states all those things again that she hates. And then she says, this is where I belong. This is who I am. I am free. 
And I just thought that was so odd after this monologue of things that she hates. And I, and I didn't fully understand it, but I almost felt like that was one of the most interesting passages about Asajj in the entire story. What did you guys think about that comment or that monologue in particular? Yeah, I I think think I'm going to speaks a lot about her for sure. Yeah. I think I'm going to be with you on that one. I, cause I think that she talks about her entire life. She's kind of assigned these roles, right? Like she's, being made into someone's uh, apprentice. She's being made into um, a slave. She's being made into a warrior, all these things. And I wonder if at the end of the story, even though Dooku is still her master, she's maybe for the first time, she's kind of choosing to do it. She's like, okay, I've seen this cruelty, but I've seen how I'm really good at this particular thing. Now I'm free because I'm choosing to do this, even though we as an audience know that she's still kind of in shackled. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that may have something to do with it. Okay, Corey, yeah. you felt the same way? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I, I thought that, like, she sort of has this sort of uh, hopeless, what do you call that? Learned helplessness, I guess. I was trying to think of the medical term <laughs> that they, they okay. tell you, they teach you in psychiatry. Like the, lear- like the learned helplessness, like, about her. Like, she just feels... Like, this is how it is. I'm a slave to this. And she sort of accept it, accepts it, but in a way that's like, I don't know. It, it's like almost that she, this is the only way that she can deal with her suffering. Well, you used an, an interesting term there that I think is important for Asajj's background. You said she's more or less a slave to something, but in her background, she was a literal slave at one point, right? How do you right. think that that? plays into how she sort of accepts accepts roles from others or how how does that tie into her personality per se i thought that 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 whole subplot was a little confusing to me um maybe you guys can help clarify that all a little bit i know that so she was like a she worked she was like part was she a slave like a pirate or something and then yeah rescued her is that what happened yeah originally the night sisters gave her up to these pirates that were attacking them in order to essentially buy their safety from this pirate clan and then the pirates kind of raised her up and she had a pretty good view of the pirates. Like they didn't abuse her or anything like that as far as I could tell. And she not loved them, but you know, had a positive relationship with them. And then during an attack of some kind, Kai actually killed her owner or whatever it was, but she thought for a while it was other pirates that had killed him because she did love this guy. So Kai essentially lied to her in order to gain her loyalty. Say, no, I didn't kill your father figure, but come with (laughs) me anyway, you know? Classic Jedi. Classic Jedi, follow the Jedi, always lying. Yeah. Yeah, and someone brought that up actually in our Discord. They They were wondering if that was discontinuity in terms of what we hear in Dark Disciple, because she more or less tells an abridged version of the story in which she says that I think pirates killed her her master at that time or at least she doesn't seem to know that it was kai mm-hmm. and we talked about this off air but you know it since it wasn't a bridge version i don't know that it was necessarily discontinuity i think maybe she just wasn't divulging that full information right. at that sure. point in the other novel i agree i think that Asajj is definitely a character that is pretty used to not divulging everything you know, she she kind of keeps up her secrets guarded. as much as she yeah. So why not be as guarded with the audience as she is with some other characters? You know, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So let's kind of turn the page from massage. Let's move from one damaged character to another. Let's talk about Sifo Dias because 
he actually played a really big part in this story, and he's not necessarily someone that we knew a whole lot about beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you guys think overall of his character? Loved him. I loved Sifo Diaz, and it's and it's crazy because guys, I legit thought Sifo Diaz was a fake character until like two years ago. <laughs> you know, really, really? Yeah, because like a Jedi Master Sifo Diaz put in the order, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's like a Tyrannus alternate or something. Yeah, like, no, I I will kind of. I mean, what you're saying is 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 accurate because like it took them so flipping long to do anything with the character of Sifo-Dyas, who was name dropped multiple times in Attack of the Clones. Like, we didn't get him until like season five or six or something of the Clone Wars, and good lord, like there was like a what ten year difference or something between. Attack of the Clones and when that came out before literally nothing, no no Legends books, no nothing had touched the character. That's insane. Which is nuts because in this story, he's so cool. I really love him. He is. Yeah, he was great. He's a fun uh, alternate to Dooku. He's he's a nice little additive to their friendship is really cool. And his vision stuff is kind of horrifying, but also interesting. Yeah. And he's a nice lens for us to look at Dooku through kind of as the audience. And I really thought he was handled supremely well. And frankly, I would love an entire Sifo-Dyas story now after this. I want to know what he was doing during the years where he and Dooku didn't talk and stuff. You know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I loved him. I, he, he was very easy for me to picture in my mind's eye. Like he's this laughable, lovable, like fun friend that sort of drags the sort of, you know, clean cut Dooku into trouble all the time. And I love that. He was, uh, he was the Ron Weasley. Yes. Yes. That's a great yeah, example. But also so much more capable than Ron, than movie Ron book Ron. Mm-hmm. Yes. True. Yeah. I, that's actually something we didn't touch on, on uh, the last episode, but I think all of us individually and several people on the discord commented on the similarities between this and Harry Potter, at least in terms of the vibe of like a yeah. young, talented boy, like a school for, special abilities etc i love that stuff too that was so so great yeah you guys mentioned cyphodius is kind of a name we've had for a long time because it did originate in attack of the clones because the kaminoans claim that cyphodius is the one who ordered the creation of the clone army and then he does pop up again in season six of the clone wars and we kind of learn more about how he was kicked off the council but yeah He's a really interesting character just because he is cursed with that foresight ability or, you know, where he, he commonly has force visions. He sees these terrible things that are happening in the future and has very physical reactions to them. He's, he basically like falls out and seizes and all kinds of craziness. But his master, who is Lean Kastana, claims that he started having visions after he, and I quote, opened his mind. What? Does that mean exactly? Was that something that Kastana made him do? Is that something that just happens to certain Jedi? What's going on there? I have no idea. And what his whole force vision thing period is like very different than anything we've ever seen. Like most force visions are like, you know, they're meditating quietly and they see something and they just sort of wake up or like Anakin's are relatively violent. He has them in dreams and he wake woke up like sweating and upset, you know, and heart racing, all that stuff. But like, Simon Diaz like has a seizure every time, which is very bizarre and not like anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, y'all ready for a big hypothesis that might be completely wrong? Uh, sure, always. That's why we have a podcast. So, my thought on this is that 
Force visions, as we learned in Master and Apprentice, are kind of inherently a little dark side, right? Because they're a little bit about seeing the future and trying to either change it or complete it in that way, right? It's like mm-hmm. twisting the Force, essentially. So I think at the time that Sifo Dyas starts having visions, he's probably actively trying to suppress them because a good Jedi is only supposed to listen, isn't supposed to try to be influenced by these Force visions, however they may be. And I think the quote-unquote correct thing for the Council to do would be to try to lessen these visions or try to help this young child stop having these thoughts, you know? Oh, yeah, they definitely looked at it like a negative thing. They definitely did, whereas Kastana is all about the Sith artifacts and is all about we need to understand the dark side in order to defeat it. So I think it was her tutelage that allowed Sifo-Dyas to actually open his mind to these things because she could tell him, hey, young Padawan, you have this burden. It's hard and it's scary, but the only way we can defeat these people is by understanding what they're going to do and what we're going to face. So you have to give in to them. And I think she's the only one that would be telling him to do that. So is she using him to further I, her own mission? In in a less negative way than that, I think, yeah. I think she is saw she... him as a tool to be used, but not necessarily, you know, to, she didn't want to cast him away afterwards. I think she did care for him ultimately, but I do believe that she realized no other Jedi master was going to do what was necessary to protect themselves against this impeding future. Hmm. So you think she, that's why she chose him over Dooku for her Padawan? I was going to, I was going to bring that up. Actually. I think that she chose Dooku, but Yoda wanted Dooku and he's the grandmaster. I think that might be true too. Uh. I think, I think okay. it's a little column A, a little bit of column B. The uh, question is, why did Yoda choose Dooku? That's completely unrelated to what we're talking about. But I think it's very, power, man. I think it's straight up. He sensed how much power and ambition Dooku had. You want to control him, maybe? Control him, or in, in if we're giving Yoda kind of the benefit of the doubt as a benevolent master, is seeing no one else probably has the wisdom to make him the best Jedi that he could. And ultimately, he did create this incredibly powerful Jedi, this incredibly respected man and caring man. And I think Yoda, for what Yoda specifically did, he actually did a fantastic job tutoring Dooku. All the stuff that the Jedi wouldn't do and help, I think, wasn't necessarily just Yoda, but I think it was the Council as a whole. Right. So I believe that Yoda saw kind of potential on a level that if left unchecked and if left untrained could have gotten dark and he trusted maybe himself to help him out with that and maybe the fact that he he failed in that ultimately by Dooku leaving is one of the big reasons he didn't personally take on someone like Anakin Mm -hmm. because he's like well I've tried to harness that power once before and it didn't work because Yoda had the hubris yeah I would love to see I would love to see going back to Sifo-Dyas a little bit I would love to see how his story sort of plays out like uh, I, this, this book really opened up, you know, the story to tell m- more like what happens next. Like, like I really hope that we get something with, with, with uh, Sidious and Dooku and then Sifo-Dyas and Dooku, because none of that story has been told. And there's a lot of recruiting that had to go on at some point. So I would love to love to see that. I would love to see what the Jedi council does with Sifo-Dyas when Dooku's not around? Like, how do they treat his visions going forward? Like, how do they, I mean, do they, like, try to lock him away? Like, do you think that yeah. he's dangerous? Like, I would love to see all that kind of cool stuff. See, that's that's a really interesting point because at one point, Kasana actually tells Dooku that she has heard a rumor that the Jedi opened a correctional facility 
for Jedi who suffer from foresight and that they more Jeez. or less use it for for those Jedi because they're a danger to the order. And so we right. know that the facility she's referring to is actually the Citadel, which you, we see later in the Clone Wars because she says the planet that it's on is like Lola Sayu or something like that. But that matches up. And so do you think that that's true? Do you guys believe that there's any truth in that rumor that the Citadel was I mean, basically used to imprison Jedi that were dangerous? That would definitely explain Sifo-Dyas's, uh you know, sort of willingness to join Dooku and to betray the Republic by creating an army like that or, or you know, something something along those lines of, of just at least hearing Dooku out and sort of joining him even if he didn't ever, like, totally join him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the fear of the Jedi either A, not doing enough to protect the galaxy and this horrible future coming to pass, or B, the Jedi putting him away for spouting truth are both totally recognizable fears. And if you're a guy that's seeing this horrible future of the Clone Wars happening and you have a friend that is leaving the Jedi peaceably, of course you go to him and be like, hey, you know, maybe you can do something about this because I can't speak out or else I'm going to this horrible prison. Or if I do speak out, maybe they don't believe me anyway and I still go to this prison. Like The flaws of the Jedi, man. We're getting so much great stuff about this. And I just watched all the prequels again while I was packing. Like I just Mm -hmm. had the TV on kind of in the background. And it's so apparent in these books, both Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost did so much really great stuff for just showing how sucky the Jedi were during this time era. And like I just I would love to see more more of that stuff. You get a lot of that in Legends, especially like Legacy of the Force series. You get a lot of like the big giant screw ups of of the Jedi and how they deal with this awful stuff. And like no wonder that they nearly go extinct multiple times. And it's fantastic. I love it. But you know who didn't screw up? Plo Koon. Just throwing Plo it out there. He's a great general. Loved his clones. Did right by his. That's people. one of my biggest beefs with all the prequels is when those Jedi go to confront. Uh, Sidious, and he just puts him away so easily. I know, I know. Well, they, was, they, I, they never I fought Sith. It, I, get, I get that it was, you know, like a surprise attack, but still, they died very poorly. And maybe that's just a, maybe that's just a bad choreography thing. Yeah, I'm going to call really that limit is. of the technology, honestly, as as someone who admittedly... Yeah, like limit, far- of the, limit of the technology or limit of uh, George Lucas? I mean, limit of what exactly? Well, now, maybe limit of time. I mean, that would have Perhaps. been an epic battle. It didn't have to be much. It could have just been, you know, I don't know. Maybe limit of choreography, maybe limit of the actors. Also, I mean, again, had that battle been done in the Clone Wars or like what they're doing with uh, the Galaxy of Heroes um, or Galaxy of Adventures shorts yeah. now... I mean, if we get Sidious attacking them in a Galaxy of Adventures short, I guarantee you it's going to be epic. True, mm-hmm. true. Or like that uh, that remastered, like, did you guys see that video? Oh, Ooh, yeah, the, the Obi-Wan Vader fight. Yeah, if somebody remastered the the Sidious fight would be sick, but... Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm with you because uh, what's the what's the Nautilin? What's his name again? Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto. Yeah, Wait, you Kit remember Nautilin and not Kit Fisto? I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> That's yeah, impressive. Up, I can't remember yeah. Nautilin like every other day. Yes, Kit Fisto dies so fast, and he's a well developed character in the Clone Wars. The whole arc about him. And, yeah, he's you know, great. And so he's a great Jedi, but yeah, I'm totally with you. They died poorly. <laughs> yeah. But all that being said, you yeah, were... more Sifo-Dyas, and totally get why Kastana chose him instead of Dooku. So what about? more Kastana. Is that something you guys want? Because she was really unique in terms of Jedi as well. She was 
actively seeking out Sith artifacts out right. in the galaxy mm-hmm. and and claiming that you know she believed that the Sith were, were going to return. She was almost like the Qui Gon before Qui Gon, if you will. Like she was, yeah. she was paying attention, I guess, to prophecies of some sort to believe that the Sith were going to return. We've never really it, seen something yeah. exactly like that. She reminds me a lot of Anakin's motives in a lot of ways. Yeah, because she's she because the way she wants to like latch on to uh, Sidious's visions in in the future, and it's all in the name of good. Like he doesn't, she's not evil. I don't think. I mean, she, she could turn out to be a bad guy, but I kind of doubt it. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's done. It's the classic, the classic fall, right? I mean, you you mm-hmm. you want to do good, and the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So. I think I would love to see more of her, I guess. But at the same time, I feel like she served her purpose in this book, and I don't really know what other purpose she could possibly have. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Yeah, I liked I like where she did a lot. If we get more of her, cool. But I'm not yearning for it. Like, I'm okay. yearning for more right. Sifidias because I think that there's a lot of unknown questions with him. And by sure. definition, I think we'd get more Kastana in that. But I think I get what Kastana is about. Yeah, and they clearly had more plans for Sifidius with the Clone Wars. Plakun finding his lightsaber in that wreckage was one of the coolest scenes. Can't mm. wait to get that. I mean, again, but, I'm in my rewatch with my partner now, and we're not. I'm telling her not to listen to this episode because man, is it ranked with Clone Wars spoilers. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to get there. Well, are you guys ready to jump into some big questions that I have for you? Yes, Let's go, absolutely. man. All right, question number one: Where does Force Lightning? come from like where does the that force next <laughs> no listen listen <laughs> because we saw dooku essentially use it for the first time when he was in a trance when the presatures of hakote or whatever those weird aliens were called were trying to use him for a ritual and then later he just knows how to use it like he just uses it again on someone and he when someone asks him what it is he says something i've been fighting for years something i can control most of the time but how did he just learn that while he was asleep? And how do people normally learn it? Okay, have you guys seen... <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Have you guys seen... Do you guys watch Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah! I did That's a great. long time ago. Okay, do you, so do you remember... Uh, this is super obscure, but Iroh teaches like Zuko how to redirect lightning. Yeah. And in the in the way that he talks about redirecting lightning, he also sort of teaches you like how lightning is created in in the Avatar world, right? Uh, and like it talks about it being like from your soul kind of. Like it's it's like the fire that's inside of you. So I I sort of imagine that force lightning is like a pure manifestation of rage and passion like that you somehow pull from inside of you, like inside the body, like to cast it out. Like it's like a release of your own rage, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. No. Yes. I agree completely. Honestly, like I was going to say, it's kind of like holding in a fart, but that's so much better. For it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sort of fits into, it fits into like him saying that it's something that he's had for, for for years too, and he's held yeah. it back because that's that's sort of like, well, you know, he has anger and hate. He just doesn't use them, like, yeah. like they talk about in Star Wars a lot. So, and it's like in uh, in Harry Potter, you can't use an unforgivable curse unless you actually mean it. So I think mm. it's in order to use force lightning, you have to actually feel that rage and willfully let it expel out of you. Yeah. So is this an ability that all Jedi are aware of? Like that's out. Oh there? yeah. 
Oh yeah, I would I say, so. I would say well, so. And because just, okay. when Yoda catches the Force Lightning, I think that's kind of the ultimate level of peace and kind of calmness and clarity is that you are absorbing the physical manifestation of hate because you are so in tune yeah. with the peace of the Force. Yeah, which is sick, by the way. <laughs> it's so that holds up so hard and will never not be awesome. Yes, I, I, I'm always like. When, whenever people are always catching the lightning on lightsabers and books and, and in the movies and so even even Mace Windu like he caught you know Sidious's lightning yeah, on his lightsaber threw it and back. the way Yoda did it was so flipping cool I really want to see someone else do that in Star Wars like Must just literally you learn you still have or something oh. or or like redirect it like in Avatar like literally just catch it and like point a hand up at the sky and just release the lightning into the sky and it like bounces around the clouds and lightning shooting out of it that would be so freaking sick I gotta rewatch oh. that show now man I love yeah. Avatar so much <laughs> yeah it's 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 great it's a really great show but I, I don't know I don't I mean can do can anybody do Sith lightning I, I don't know um it, it seems like it takes a really powerful dark side user to do it because we never see Ventress do it yeah, I mean, it probably still has to be learned, but I think that the, I think it's like any force power can technically be learned by anyone if you put in enough time and, you know, focus with it. But yeah, I, I think everyone has the potential. Jedi would just never actively work to access that much hatred and pain and rage. And maybe Duke think, who Charles? never taught Ventress. You know, I, I don't really know where it necessarily comes from, but the reason that I brought it up is just because I thought that was a really big point in this story and and I didn't really hear many people talking about it because think back to when you first saw whenever it was the original trilogy and you saw Palpatine using it for the first time or the Emperor using it for the first time it was like what is going on like he's just making lightning with his hands and then we just see someone essentially pick up that ability when they're when they're asleep and I mean correct me if I'm wrong is who else has used Sith lightning or force lightning in canon material besides Dooku and the Emperor. Snoke does. Right, right. Snoke does for uh, for a brief second in the last in the last Jedi. Remember? Yeah, when okay. Kylo. He, he, okay. Ca- yeah, he bounces it off the floor. It's sick as crap. It's amazing. <laughs> so cool. right. Yeah. So like he he call he's, remember he says to he says to Kylo Ren he says he, he's basically calling him a child and like Ren stands up to face him because he's pissed off and Snoke just casually bounces the lightning off the floor and it sends Ren flying. It's the, one of the greatest scenes in the Last Jedi. Yeah. So I mean, point being, it is like you guys mentioned one of those abilities that you have to be beyond right. powerful. To right. have, and so I, I want to know, like you know, that's something that I care about. I want to know there needs to be some story there, and it didn't have to be in this, yeah, in Jedi Lost, but I, I want that story, and that got me thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we well, got to level up in the power tree. You know, you got to have so many prerequisite abilities, and then you can <laughs> unlock Force Lightning at a certain point. We all know that. Yeah. We've yeah. all been there. Okay, all right. So we also we talked about maybe why Dooku left the order and there are a few different reasons that we all kind of hypothesize. But my question is, was Dooku destined to turn to the dark side or was he a victim of influence of others like Kastana and Palpatine? Destiny. I don't know. Like, I don't know that we fully understand the concept of destiny in star Wars. Like there's so many different theories about it. I mean, Luke's whole theory in the last Jedi is that, you know, the force is just going to happen. Like there's, there's not really a right or wrong or a light or a dark. It's all just a flowing 
system, mm-hmm. I guess. So I don't really know if you can say that. I don't know. I have such mixed. I just finished the Bane trilogy. I, I just I think I told you guys about that. I was, I was listening to the audiobook, and the Bane trilogy talks a great deal about the will of the force. And like, is it really the will of the force for Bane to destroy all the Sith? Like, how do you possibly interpret that? And is the force good? Is it evil? Like, how can it let really bad stuff happen and also really good stuff happen? Like, I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> this is like deep philosophical. It's dude. This is yeah. deep as it gets, man. And I, I mean, I think ultimately. I, I I blame Palpatine for Dooku's fall to the dark side. I think that if he was destined to do anything, I think going leaving the Jedi Order, sure. Becoming the ruler of Sereno, absolutely. Even leading the Separatists, sure. Because I think at that point, he's still in his head doing what is right for these people. He's getting them away from a corrupt government that's not going to help them. He's leaving an order that promises a lot and delivers a little. And he's using his power to help those that he immediately sees as in most need. So I think that's essentially where his track could have ended. As a master who leaves but still does good. Whereas I think Palpatine saw that and it was so easy to tip. I mean, all you say is, hey, you really want to help your people? Just take this little cup of dark side and bam, there you go. You know? (laughs) And it works. So... Yeah. So, yeah. Eric, you bring up a great point, and it, and it gets me to one of my last big questions. And you mentioned this in the last episode, so our listeners might remember this. Put your boxing gloves on, because I think you and I might disagree on this a little <clears> bit. <throat> Let's do it. How do we get from the Dooku that is presented in this project, in this audio drama, who doesn't really seem outright evil whenever he leaves the Order and goes to Sereno and becomes its leader... To the Dooku that we see originally in Attack of the Clones, who is like casually promising Newt Gunray that he's going to have Padme murdered, etc., etc. <laughs> so, Charles, I think it's like Scientology. And follow me here. Follow me. <laughs> oh, dear God. Follow me. <laughs> I think a lot of people at the highest levels of Scientology, once they kind of realize that it's insane and that it's not really anything have already given decades of their life and hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions into this, into this project, right. into society. So at that point, if you try to back away, they will destroy you. And you'll have to admit that 20 years of your life have been wasted on nothing. <laughs> so to me, by the time Dooku, he, he goes a little darker, a little darker, a little darker, a little darker. And by the time he would ever have a chance to actually like come up for air and look at what he's doing, he's already gone so far deep that if he tried to back away at all, one, he's murdered by Sidious. Two, his legacy becomes that of someone that's already been cruel but never quite got to the power that he wanted. So at that point, why not just kind of accept what you are, go all the way deep, because then on the other side of the war in his mind, he gets ultimate power, and maybe he can still do a little of that good he thought about. Yeah, the ends right. justify the means, sort of. Okay, well, and at this point, the Living Force would like to apologize to any of our listeners who are uh, part of the Church of Scientology. Uh, <laughs> I'm not apologizing for that. Get I'm the hell good. out of that crap. Good, <laughs> Going clear right. on HBO. <laughs> so, so those those are my really big questions, but I always have I the a list biggest of question, Easter yeah. eggs, Easter eggs, and fun facts that yeah, I yeah, like yeah. to throw out. You guys oh, ready so to run good, through them so, real quick? You're so good at finding these, Charles. It's, it's awesome. Really I love impressive. it. Let's hit it, man. These, 
All right, so part of Entrance's backstory was straight out of the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars micro series. Uh, how she was in like a gladiatorial arena and Dooku discovered her. That was that was all straight out of Gendy Tartakovsky. Such so a great awesome back. See. The micro series. What is that? Is that the old Cartoon Network show? Yeah, the two D. Yes. Oh, Go watch. Yeah. It. Okay. I I, I, DVD, I've seen some of the Ventress stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a great scene and it plays really well next to what's in this story. So there was also no mention of Dooku's using a curved lightsaber hilt, and I thought we might get an in-universe origin. Uh, for that in this story, but it wasn't even addressed. I thought really? that was are really you, are you sure? No, no, I think it was. I, I think, think there was. was a, I think I think somebody. Some, I think somebody pointed out his lightsabers and said, "This is a very interesting design. I haven't seen anything like this in a long time." Did yeah, somebody wait, say Kistana something did. about that? Castana did. Yeah, I think. Okay, I was about to say. I thought. I think it was Castana also. That's that rings bells. It's been a long time since okay, I listened. I don't to remember it, this but, at all. But did they give a reason as to why he he used it? No, that's a good point. They just said he had it, but they didn't say like. They might have. I can't. I can't. That. I can't remember. See, if there I want an in-universe reason because I think. I think the real. The real life reason was that Christopher Lee had really bad arthritis. Is it really? <laughs> I, I recall. I think I'm not that joking. Based, Does I think that, that, that might be true. Why would that help at all? Because he didn't uh, have to like make a fist, I guess. But I also think that based could, on purely could. on the Battlefront gameplay. I think it probably helps in dueling because as you're like with his particular fighting style, when you have to curve it, it probably makes tighter circles with the curve design. So there's something in the fighting style I, that would, we can sleep on that until we get an official like styles of lightsaber combat manual. Yeah. All True. the, all the lightsaber explanations in, in the Bane trilogy, cause he's talking about, there's a lot of commentary about like why a double bladed lightsaber is actually not superior to a single bladed lightsaber. And it's all about like being an unexpected a tactician essentially yeah. like when you're facing okay. somebody with a complex lightsaber that it's hard to predict what's going to happen so i can see that and also dooku okay. is just kind of arrogant and likes to be different so maybe <laughs> i don't know i'm with you i would like to see a fully explanation yeah, but it was at least I mentioned dig i dig it all right so we continue to get more and more connected tissue between different star wars media different projects this audio drama uses the curse sispit which is occurs from way back in Legends. <laughs> awesome. It mentions Coaxium, obviously from Solo. Mm -hmm. It makes a reference to uh, Lethal with the Lethal Papyri, which mm -hmm. is from Rebels. And they frequently were using mantras, which we don't see too often in Star Wars. But we do see, obviously, I'm one with the Force. The Force is, the force is with me from mm -hmm. Rogue One. So we got a Love lot it. of mantras in this book. All about that synergy. Uh, we, yes, it was. It's beautiful. We also saw Yoda save Dooku's life on Sereno by lifting pieces of a collapsed building off of him. And that is the same way that Dooku tries to kill Yoda at the end of Attack of the Clones. So oh, I thought that was super oh, messed up. That's a, that's a good point. That's a great point. Yes. Oh, I love well, wait that. Till, wait till you hear this next one. They reference jazz music in this book, which is apparently retconning the old name for that type of music in Legends Material, which was, drumroll please, jizz music. <laughs> yes, jizz music. That is a thing. Look it up on Wikipedia. I will say no more. They have retconned right. it. That's no, fantastic. Gotta... Oh my god! All right, continue. All right. Someone because... when they did that didn't know what they were doing. Okay, one of the best <laughs> lines in any Star Wars book that I have ever read and/or listened to was after a Jedi mind trick in which someone says, "I will forget you were hit." Wait a minute. Who the hell am I talking to? Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. a good point so that was a good one 
new lore from this book, and you guys may correct me if I'm wrong because I'm really unfamiliar with Old Republic stuff, but mm-hmm. they mentioned Teradine, who was a Padawan who supposedly vanished or was expelled from the Jedi Order altogether. I'd never heard of him before. Me there was also someone... Yeah, there was also someone named Radaki who was one of the Lost, who later became someone named Darth Kroll, who I think, was... I think that's new also. That's new also? Okay, he apparently I'm, I'm won sure. the Battle of the Wasted Years and tamed the Nightmare Conjunction, which sounds Give me awesome, that book that today. That's Give what me the, that yes. trilogy now. <laughs> that's what the new trilogy coming out is going to be about. <laughs> oh my god, I, Yeah. I don't know. I saw on Reddit a while back that the Darth Crawl thing is new. Like people were, there was a whole feed about like how that's a, a new Sith. Perfect. Okay. Described. Sweet. Uh, we got the Bogan collection, and Bogan was the Old Republic name for the dark side of the Force. So that was cool. Wow, um, I didn't know Dooku that. Te- yeah, yeah. Um, Dooku teaches Qui Gon a technique that helps Jedi endure terrible pain, and I thought, hey, maybe Qui Gon uses that after he was stabbed by Maul at the end of the Phantom Menace to stay alive to be able to talk Ooh, to yeah. Obi Wan. That's cool. Maybe who knows? Why not? And last point, Rail Avaros, who is practically a brand new character to Star Wars, he's only what two months old, is the one who introduced Dooku to Palpatine for the first time. Love that. And he stated that Palpatine had helped him a lot over the past few years. So, whoa, we're going even further back into Palpatine's machinations than we've ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. that's very interesting. So that's if Dooku ever had, if he ever saw Rail as an opportunity. Maybe I feel he like did. Rail yeah. is going to be kind of like one of those, not to this level, but like Ahsoka type characters where he's invented by one writer, but then every writer is like, ooh, ooh, I want to use him. I want to use him. Yeah. And he's going to be could, popping up a lot. I can see that being the case. Love that. Good good finds, Charles. That's all I got for now. All right. Well, then let's yeah. uh, let's finish this bad boy up with how we usually do, Charles. <clears throat> all right, guys. So rate it for me one to ten and uh, give me any final thoughts that you have. I will give it a 9.1. I loved it. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic book. Uh, There's a rumor that it's going to actually be a book. There's like leaked Amazon listings for like France or something. So maybe we actually get a a book of it. If we do, I can't wait to get my hands on it and see what it's like to read it. If if it's going to be like a a novel format or if it's going to be like a play or something like that. I can't wait. I loved it. I thought it was great. The voice actors were good. I really, really enjoyed it. If you haven't read it, you definitely need to pick it up. It definitely goes very, very well with Master and Apprentice. Read Master and Apprentice or listen to the audiobook first and then immediately pick up the Dooku book, and I think you will enjoy the cohesive story that it tells. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Eric? Basically echoing all that, uh, give it a 9.15. Are you or, uh, <laughs> nah, I'll give like right around a nine nine point five around there. Absolutely love. What it. is this like? Was... The Price Is Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it, credits will do fine. I uh, I loved it. I thought it was fantastically written. Characters were awesome. I really want more of this format. I think this is perfect way to start it off. I think that they need they needed to nail this first audio drama, and they absolutely did. I think the this the future of these audio dramas is set because of this book. And I don't really need it to be written down in a novel form, but you know we're going to get it if it does anyway, so bring it on. Give me more of this Dooku content. Yeah, I'll echo all that. I give it a 9.49 repeating, and (laughs) 
I I really do want to recommend anyone that has not read Dark Disciple, if you've just finished this story, then go pick that up. And that's really all I have to say about that. You guys realize on our website, it is the decimal system. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Like out of 10, it's a decimal system. But that's okay. The book was good. And I think it's clear that we all really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think we're being too terribly biased for, for saying that. Like no, I have read so some of the good. criticism. I have read some of the criticisms online. The criticisms are real. Like some people had some issues with the voices complaining about a character not sounding the way that you imagine them sounding is not a real criticism. No, that's <laughs> it's not ridiculous. a real criticism. Like, yes. That, but people say that for some reason about rail. And I will say that the, in the master and apprentice, I, it must be the same voice actor that did rail and master and apprentice or, or, or the guy that uh, is Jonathan Davis, I think is the narrator and it has to be rail in master and apprentice. And he sounds exactly the same in Dooku. So there is cohesion amongst the audiobooks. So, I, I really enjoyed the, the voice acting a lot. Absolutely. Chewie. We're home. So we read a little long this week, but, I mean, you guys heard everything we had to say about this book. And it took us two episodes, and I guarantee we could all talk for hours and hours more about it, which is what our actual friendships are for. So we're going to keep doing that. But, my lovely co-hosts, my lovely audience, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week to hear the crew at Utini, probably us, talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Please, please, please leave us a review to help people find us and head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. Go and see what the actual decimal rating of Dooku Jedi Lost is. Now, I want to give a shout out. This past week, we received a fantastic review from RJG, RJG repeating, and it really, really warmed our hearts. They said a host of wonderful things and finished off their review by saying, if you enjoy Star Wars books, you'll love this show. We truly hope that's true. And thank you again so much for that really sweet review. It really means the world to us. And it does help us reach a new audience on iTunes, wherever you're reviewing. So if you want to help out with that algorithm, go ahead, give us five stars, drop a few kind words, and we'll uh, throw some on the show as we can. Now, we did run out of time today, but if you want your thoughts on this show, go ahead, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com. That can be a text or send an MP3 of an audio question. We can get that on here. Tweet at us at livingforcepod or join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. We're in there all the time, all week. You can find us personally on Twitter. I am at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD and Charles is at C. Hankel. A special thank you goes out to Matt Davenport and Freddie C., our amazing editors, and Wes, our community manager, Dr. Corey, Dr. Charles, movers extraordinaire. Thank you for being here. Thank you to our audience for listening. And of course, may the force be with you. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust. Trust.
and the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you. All right, I guess I stop this.